Ozzy is the world. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world, your weekly celebration of all things New Jersey. This conversation today, feel really psyched about it. Um, have to thank everybody who has signed up at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Have to thank everybody who's been leaving us voicemails at 973-780-4660. We got a ton of voicemails. We're going to go through them all soon. Get them in now if you want to be on the upcoming Gagoots episode. That's 973-780-4660. Also mentioned it last week. I, I don't want to shill too hard for things, but my friends in the sketch group Business Casual, who I think are legitimately so brilliant, are doing a show at Boot and Coffee. And uh, it's on March 9th. You can get tickets at chrisgeth.com. I'm opening up the show. And they're excited about Jersey. And the fact that we have these artists from California, they now moved out to New York. They asked me to set up a Jersey show. I feel honor bound to give them a good time. So the tickets are really moving. So um, please go ahead and grab your tickets ASAP for the March 9th show with Business Casual and myself at Booten Coffee. All right. This episode, we got some big news. Got some big news in New Jersey. World Cup final is coming our way. We're doing a quick episode to make sure that A, people understand the impact of that. Because if you're not a soccer fan, you might not realize this is like a real big deal. It's a real big deal. And to also start talking about, again, if you're not up on soccer or you haven't read up on it, I'm not, a, I'm not, Anything more than a casual fan, and really only when the World Cup comes around. But even I know FIFA, a wildly corrupt organization, almost hilariously so. New Jersey, a wildly corrupt place at times, almost hilariously so. If it wasn't so heartbreaking, it would be just outright hilarious. But how's it going to go? What could this mean for New Jersey? What will this mean for New Jersey? These are questions that are on our minds here at the show, and I think should be on everybody's mind, especially if you're in North Jersey. This is going to have a massive, massive potential effect. We've got to make sure it's done the right way. Me and Mike D hypothesize about how it could go, how we think it will go, and uh, I hope you have some thoughts as well. Enjoy the conversation, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, everybody. Chris Gathered here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. Um, I am on dad duty by myself. So if you can hear the faint sounds of cartoons in the background, it is merely because I'm being a good father and sitting two rooms away from my kid as he watches TV, which is not being a great father, by the way, which is not, it's being an okay father. Um, I'm here with my friend, Mike D. Mike D, how are you this morning? I'm great. You know, last night I went to try the uh, famous Trenton mustard pizza at Papa's. And it was amazing. Now, I mean, that is so good. Let's talk about this before we get into it, because I've been to Papa's. I've had Papa's, and I've loved it. I just got a tomato pie, because I mustard is one of a handful of foods I just outright don't like. But I've heard people tell me that on the pizza, it might not be as... Um, as offensive to my sensibility. I've had people say like, it's not like you're eating spoons full of mustard. Not at all. I think, I, I won't tell Papa's their business. I'm sure they know better, but there's something that the, the way that they bake the mustard and the way that they layer it in, it has a really strong mustard taste, but 
it surprisingly blends in with the cheese and tomato. And I mean, it's fantastic. I just stopped myself from continuing to eat more and more slices of it because I would have eaten the whole pizza, no problem. And it was really, really good. I love that place. Papa's is a gem. And you said your wife and daughter were there and they both flipped out for the mustard pie as well, which is very telling because kids will not hesitate to tell you if they don't like pizza. It was, they were both very, very skeptical. Um, but when it came out and they tried it, they both had a similar reaction, which was, I'm shocked and I don't know why I like this, but I do. It's not what I expected. And I think that's what it is. It, it's, it, it's not like a piece of, of crust slathered in mustard. That's not what it tastes like. It, it's something they do make it, it has its very own unique taste to it. It's absolutely worth going down there to, to pay a visit. I got to go... I- I need to go with somebody. I need to go with a large enough group that we can order multiple pies so I can try a slice of it so that I don't drive to Trenton or Hamilton, wherever it is outside of Trenton. I think Robbinsville. Robbinsville. And uh, have the pie, realize I don't like it, and waste a pie. That's the move. That's the move. Yeah, you have to get one regular tomato pie and then one mustard The tomato pie, pie was, ridic- that's was just that's ridiculously good. It's amazing. Ridiculously good. And it's just a cool place. It feels like a slightly nicer version of a corner pizzeria in the best possible way. Yeah, I'm jealous you got to go. In other pizza news, I did attend the first Sunday where Al Santillo was cooking at Coniglio's, and it was incredible. I got my picture taken with Al Santillo. He vaguely knew who I was. Uh, Nino Coniglio and I have hit it off. We are buddies when I go in there. Very nice guy. And uh, Santilla was like, oh, wait, yeah, I know who you are. But I don't think he knew who I was. And then we took a picture together. He said he'd come on the podcast. So I'm going to try to set that up sometime in the future. But it was amazing. It was hilarious. He was supposed to be cooking pies from one to three. And at about, we were the first group there. We timed it perfectly. I took Cal and um, his best friend from school, Pierce, and his dad, Craig. We went, brought our friends, Alfred from town, his son, and we all timed it where we got there at like 12.45. So we were like some of the first ones to order the Santillo pies, had the kids with us. It was great. And then maybe 1.45, Nino Coniglio, we could hear him say to Al Santillo, like, hey, like, we're out of your dough. Do you have any more? And Al Santillo straight up was like, yeah, I'm done. Done for the day. He said, we advertised at one to three. So I think they have made a deal to bring more proved dough uh, in the future, but it was great to be there. And Coniglio's, Pete Genovese just said Coniglio's is now officially the best pizzeria in New Jersey, not best new pizzeria. He says Coniglio's is now the number one, which is wild. I don't know if I disagree with Pete Genovese. I would just break it down into more categories. And I guess if, right, if Santillo's is temporarily closed, because I would have picked Santillo's, but then Right, you have Star Tavern, which is a whole other kind of pizza, right? Which I don't think you compare Jeremy Schneider. To- they all the writers were putting out their best list because it was National Pizza Day. So Schneider had Star Number One, Genevieve's had Coniglio's Number One. They both had Santillo's Number Two. I think a lot of people could argue for any of the three of those being the best, let alone like nine other pizzerias all over the state. Yeah, there's so many good ones. I I just put Star in a different category than I do, you know, a Caniglio's or a Santillo, or even to be fair, Papa's, the Trenton style pizza is a very different thing, right? It has, yeah, it has a thicker version of sort of a bar pie crust, 
but obviously like the cheese goes on first and then the tomato. So it's, it's very different. So again, it's hard to compare. It's not a, not a straight comparison. Star is really in the conversation. I mean, it's, it's own thing at this point. That's what like Kinchley's and Ramley Ramsey, uh, Patsy's and Patterson, Pete and Elda's in Neptune city, the bar pies, right? I think even Booten Tavern up in reservoirs, uh, a boot, a reservoir tavern up in Booten rather, which I know is maybe in Parsippany. Some people say Booten, but Reservoir Tavern, I think, is closer to a bar pie. That's really its own. I mean, someday it will get so fragmented that we'll start having these specific fights. But Mike D, this was merely us warming up and filling us, filling each other in on, on New Jersey uh, food experiences. But what we're here to talk about today is some current events because something really miraculous happened, which is that the World Cup final is coming to the Meadowlands, which made major news. I mean, it was on CNN, ESPN.com. This is a big deal. I follow the World Cup. I don't follow soccer beyond that, but I do generally flip out for the World Cup every time it comes around. And if people are not up on sports or the World Cup, I don't know if they realize that this is internationally big for New Jersey. That's an understatement even. I mean, it's pretty much the most paid attention to thing on the entire planet, more or less. And I mean, you could split hairs about that, but more people in the world pay attention to the World Cup than anything else. Hands down, no question. It's, it's, I would say it's, you know, there's been Super Bowls at the Meadowlands. And for anybody who's unfamiliar with the World Cup in particular, the World Cup final match is hands down a bigger event than having a Super Bowl. And this, I, I don't even think it's an argument if you start to look into the eyes on it. I would go so far as to say it's not quite going to be the impact of the 1964 World's Fair, which my mom remembers going to when she was in high school. This is my mom. And in, if you go out to Queens, you can go out to Corona Meadows Park and still see like the remnants of the World's Fair. The, the famous Unisphere Globe was part of the World's Fair. But it's somewhere between a Super Bowl and a World's Fair, I would say, having the final match. I think that that's fair to say. It's closer to a Super Bowl on the scale between those things. No. But it, it, that's the conversation we're having. It's between it, a World's Fair impact and a Super Bowl impact. I mean, if we want to get into the my world, the media math of it, <clears throat> something like one and a half billion people watched the last World Cup final. And something like... 90 to 100 million people will watch the Super Bowl. So we're talking about, you know, 10, the World Cup, even that's just the final, not to mention this thing goes on for a couple of weeks. All over North America. It's 10 times the size of this. And and for people who haven't been reading up on it, so the World Cup is going to take place all over North America in American stadiums, Mexican stadiums, Canadian stadiums. And that's huge for the continent. It's also very cool, the idea to unite the whole continent, fly the teams around different um, pockets of not just the United States, but all of North America. I think that's so cool. It's going to make America locked in more to soccer than we usually are, which I think is a good thing because it's a hard-to-follow sport, but it's pretty fucking cool when you start breaking down how it all works. Uh, but there was a big debate over where is the final going to be. And the real, the rumor for a long time was it was going to be at that gigantic stadium in Dallas, which is a massive, massive stadium. Um, there was some talk of it being in Los Angeles for that being the media capital. But apparently there was this pitch. Governor Murphy and Tammy Murphy own a women's soccer team in New Jersey. Um, 
apparently they attended the pitch personally and supposedly the pitch and Mike D as a guy who has designed many pitches and as a guy who lived in Jersey city, I don't know if you, re- did you read up on this pitch and what happened? No, I've not. Um, now I have Dude, to, I'm shocked. That's apparently my part the, pitch the pitch involved them going to a hotel in Jersey city. We can look up exactly which one, but supposedly they went up to like the top floor area that's designed for, you know, penthouse experiences and corporate pitches and this type of stuff that like a high-end hotel will have. And they had all the blinds drawn and they gave some incredible multimedia presentation. And the way that it ended was that as the video wound down, all of the blinds in the room, I don't know if they pulled up automatically or if it was those types of windows that can untint automatically, but it was as the pitch wound down about why New Jersey and New York are connected as the media capital, it was timed perfectly for the people viewing the pitch to all of a sudden realize they were now looking at a 360 degree view of the New York, New Jersey area from the top floor of this hotel in Jersey City where they could see the Statue of Liberty and you know the south of Manhattan all the way up to the Empire State Building and the Chrysler Building and then all the way out and you could see the Meadowlands in sight and they basically said, hey, like if you want a lockdown on the New York media market, your position in the perfect place and right there sitting right there is the stadium that can pull it off. So apparently the pitch was this insanely designed, beautiful thing. The Jersey city Hyatt. That's where it was. I just had to look it up. I love some pitch theater. That's great. I mean, pitch theater matters a lot, right? I mean, imagine that you're convincing them and then you're seeing a bunch of stuff on a screen. And at the end of it, you're the, the big reveal is New York, you know? And if, the big reveal is New York, New Jersey. I mean, if if you look up where the Jersey City Hyatt is, it's out on a pier right by Exchange Place, right next to Liberty State Park, across from Tribeca. Yeah. And I'm certain that they there was actually a pretty great NJ.com article all about the pitch itself. And I think between the governor being there and and the quality of that pitch. I mean, there's people who probably go to school to learn how to do that pitch and that pitch will make their career, right? If you're someone who's like, I was on the pitch team that got the World Cup final to New Jersey, your career is pretty set as far as the advertising and branding world, right? I mean, that's about as big of a pitch as you can possibly have, right? If you're working on a pitch, I mean, that has to be by dollars value, essentially just about one of the biggest pitches you could ever possibly work on. Um, and not even counting in reach and all the visibility of it. So if you're one of the people who put together that pitch, I imagine you can kind of write your ticket and get any job that you'd want that involves sales or pitching. And I think even beyond that, right, those types of governmental pitches are part lobbying, part schmoozing, even just getting all those people together in the room probably takes a year and a half, two years worth of legwork and political connections, right? Just to get to the point where you even get to make a pitch. It's pretty incredible they pulled it off. I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to to Murphy for putting this together. I mean, and he comes from that world, you know, that he's like a big finance guy. He's a finance guy. He's a soccer guy. He wanted this one. And look, I know there's a lot of crackling Murphy grumbling right now in the state and I get it. And a lot of it is about the Tammy Murphy situation, but on this one, Phil stepped up and got us a world event. Kudos to governor Murphy on this and uh, give credit where it's due everybody. Now, Mike D 
this is where this episode is going to get interesting because bringing in an event of this caliber, to put it in perspective, if there's people who don't follow soccer, there's more nations that are members of FIFA, which is the soccer governing body, than there are members of the United Nations. That is true. There's considerably, there's like 10 or 12 more member nations of FIFA than the UN. Like it is, it might be the most connected global organization as far as member nations beyond even the UN. The tourism is going to be insane. The infrastructure necessary to pull it off is going to be insane. This means a lot of money is going to get poured into the area surrounding the Meadowlands. So what I want us to do today is to first talk about the fantasy of what could happen, prepping for this event, needing to build out infrastructure for this event versus the reality of what we think could happen. Because there's a few things that should happen, but we also need to point out for anyone who has not looked this up, if you want to read some hilariously over the top stories of corruption, FIFA has got you covered. And guess who else has you covered when it comes to over-the-top corruption? New Jersey government, baby. So the idea that FIFA, which is one of the most corrupt organizations on the planet, is now making deals with the New Jersey state government, probably legendarily and hilariously corrupt in its own right. This is a meeting of the minds we can't even imagine. So when we talk about what could happen, I sit here and I go, one thing that absolutely should happen from this is money should be poured into NJ Transit in a way that supports and revitalizes our train system in New Jersey for a d one to two decades, right? Like the amount of people that need to get carried from New York out to the Meadowlands, let alone any area that has a New Jersey Transit line that connects to the Meadowlands. And we all know Secaucus is right there. So they are clearly, anybody that has a hotel and a train station should be able to get people flooding your downtown and bringing tourist dollars. And this should go all over the state. This means they should probably be pouring money into that transit system being fully supported, avoiding overcrowding, over, avoiding delays, shutdowns. I could even see an argument being made for if there's ever been an opportunity to bring back to life some decommissioned train stations in New Jersey, this is it. If you want to bring back some rail lines that still have the infrastructure in place and just need to be, you know, send in some construction crews to get the tracks up to date, re-electrified, get some, get some stations back up and running, there's not going to be a better opportunity than the next two years to say, let's get some light rail stations up and running. Let's get like I said, we all know there's towns that have train stations that are sitting there boarded up. Now is the time to get the money in because there's no better way to justify revitalizing New Jersey's rail than right now. That's the number one I can see, that and road improvements. Are there any other infrastructural things you see coming? Yeah, road improvements are big. I, I'd also say, and I know they've just redone Terminal, terminal 1 at Newark Airport, right? Um, terminal A, yeah. Terminal A, sorry. And I think the air. this is a time they should also be improving the airport and the way that you get in and out of there. So you do have the rail line now, which is good, 
but they're really, sh- I mean, in it, it, this would be the time where there really should be some type of direct rail access from Newark Airport to Manhattan that's more like a path type light rail system than having to like go and get on the train. I mean, that would be amazing, right? To get people right from Manhattan to, to Newark Airport with like a direct thing. And that doesn't benefit me in any way because I don't live there anymore. Um, but I think that would be a smart thing to do. Yeah, because right now the air train system like is not bad. Like everything's clearly marked at Penn Station, what stops at the airport, what doesn't. But you're right. Something that was just go here and stand here and every 15 minutes reliably you'll get picked up and dropped off it in New York with either nonstop or maybe one to two stops along the way would be a game changer. Now's the time to start showing off. Now's the time. For instance, in London, they've done so. In London, they built the Heathrow Express, which takes you right from Heathrow Airport to Paddington Station in London, which is super central. You can get anywhere, but it's in, you know, in central London. And basically, they've done such a good job of that that people don't even bother with taxis leaving Heathrow anymore because the Heathrow Express is so good. Imagine how, what that would change for things. If you could fly, Newark would be, you know, become a really good option, just as good. It would actually be a better option than JFK or LaGuardia because it's way closer to Manhattan than either of the two of those. I also sit here and I go, and I don't know all the ins and outs of this, but one thing I do know is this, is that a companion to the airport is that you've got three big hubs of transportation in Newark alone, right? You've got the airport, you got Penn Station, you got Broad Street. So many people have to transfer at one of those if you're taking train lines in. This is a massive opportunity to figure out how to get more direct lines running to all of those and to make it simple and easy to figure out how the fuck to get from Broad Street to Penn Station or from Penn Station to the airport or from Broad Street to the airport and from any of them to wherever they're making the Meadowlands hub. Because I do know that when they have big concerts, they'll run trains straight to the Meadowlands. I imagine Secaucus is going to be slammed by this. But as far as our biggest city, I mean, is there ever going to be a chance? Because right now, you, you right, let's all face facts, everybody, and let's be realistic about the conversation. A lot of these tourists are going to want to stay in Manhattan a lot of them are going to get priced out. So they're going to come out to Jersey and their options are going to be to stay either in a city or in a suburb. A lot of them are international travelers who don't want to stay in a fucking suburb. They want to stay in a city. Jersey City is going to be option number... Jersey City is going to make bank off of the World Cup being there because Jersey City is hip right now and it has a brand and it is viewed as safe for tourists, right? Nork, that conversation is years behind where Jersey City's at. If there's ever going to be a time to inject Newark with a influx of cash, we need to start the PR campaign right now. We need to have these train lines clear. We need to have these bus lines easy to understand. And it right now is the time to go, we're going to make it that if you're coming to the World Cup and you can't afford New York and you can't afford Jersey City because that's hard to afford now, that Newark is going to be a fucking fun, safe party for tourists surrounding the time of this. Now, is there a whole lot of bullshit surrounding that that I know people in Newark throw up their hands and go, dude, fuck you? Absolutely. I am an Essex County person. I am on our Newark side. What I'm not saying is not let's gentrify Newark in 18 months. And what I'm saying is not 
let's try to uh, hide Nork's past in history and how hard it's been fighting to come back. What I'm saying is let's make money off of all these fucking schmoes coming from all the world and let's make sure some of that money winds up in the pockets of Nork. I'm trying to... Well, what's interesting though... Now's the time. But here's the thing about that's going to make it difficult for Nork and is something they could relatively easily change between now and then is there's just not a zillion hotels in Nork. And the ones that there are, when when you look it up, right, there are the ones that are centrally located. Like there's a couple down by Penn Station, but most of them are sort of those Route 1 airport satellite type hotels, which are not huge. And also the public transportation to get from there to the game or anywhere else is not great, right? And also Route 1 is awful, it and is what, what one we can't of the worst have, roads. What we can't have, but what will happen for some people, but what we can't have is like a bunch of people flying here from uh, Portugal and France and Brazil and all over Africa and Asia, and they unknowingly book a hotel in Newark that's between a long-term parking lot and a brewery. We can't have that. And then that's what I'm saying. Pile on top. Let's show off North. Pile on top of that. They then get in some kind of American style rental car and then drive onto Route 1 and immediately go into cardiac arrest because yes. they're like, I've never seen a road that operates this way anywhere else in the world. I will tell you that stretch when you come out of the Holland Tunnel and you're taking either the Pulaski or the Turnpike or 280 or you might wind up on fucking Fish House Road. and there's like nine different ways to get to Route 78 and your GPS is trying to tell you the quickest one. I take that all the time and still get lost one out of every eight times. I will make a wrong turn because it's so difficult, let alone if I'm used to the steering wheel being on the other side of the fucking car. We got to get that. We can't. We can't. And and this is no offense to the businesses currently slugging it out, but every hotel in New York, in Newark needs to, dude. They should be handing out permits to build new hotels all over Newark right now in areas that could use it. Again, not in a way that boxes out local businesses, not in a way that's squeezing out residents, in a way that's going to say, hey, we have an opportunity to bring in money hand over fist in two years. Let's get our shit together now so we can make that money for this city. What's the right way to do that? What is the cool way to do that that has Short-term influx of cash for Nork and long-term momentum for Nork. There's an interest. So this is this is something that some of the other countries in the past have done, and you've seen this happen for the World Cup, and you've seen this happen to the Olympics. And I actually think this is a model that would make tons of sense here. What they do is they build a ton of sort of townhouse and apartment-style accommodations for people which are used for the World Cup. And then afterwards, they become, you know, basically like below market rate housing for people, which if there's anything we know, New Jersey has a massive housing shortage. And that model works really well. You get, you know, you can get a huge tax break to build these things. You make a ton of cash back, renting them out to groups of tourists for the month that this happens. And then afterwards, they can transition. And then especially if you're building transit there, all of a sudden you're going to build these really viable places for people to live where they can get back and forth to work and afford a place to live. I mean, it's a smart way to think about it. It's a win-win. I mean, I'll never forget, interviewed Phil Murphy on this very show a couple of years ago. Lucky to say that. Not everybody gets to pick the governor's brain. Um, 
I tried to respect the fact that he was here and I was punching above my weight while also asking him some tough questions. And, and one of the things I said was, how do you make sure that you revitalize Nork without burning the residents of Nork and burning people who have been there for many years? And I'll never forget, he gave an answer that I really loved. And I'll put him on the spot with this right now and say, his answer I never forgot because he said, Nork is a city that in decades past had a population that is hundreds of thousands of people larger than its current population. And one of the cool things to think about that as cities grow, not every city has that situation where you know for a fact it has an infrastructure that has supported hundreds of thousands of people more. So theoretically, we should be able to let Nork grow and thrive without having to displace people because we know the city has supported a much larger population in the past. So why can't it do it again? And I sat there, I went, that's a thoughtful answer. That's a really thoughtful answer. But like you said, Mike D, has the government ever had a chance to put up or shut up on that more than right now of basically going in and saying, there's probably stretches of Nork that are warehouses that are underutilized or that used to be thriving neighborhoods where some, you know, where there are blocks where there's unoccupied places right now. Has the city ever had a better reason to revitalize those areas than preparation for a World Cup? And now's a chance to put up or shut up on that. And I hope that there's people where their whole job is to strategize that specific plan of attack. I think, and I'm going to get really nerdy here for a second, but I think they should they need to look at this as a designer would look at this and what i mean is yes. right like when when you're a designer if you're good at your job you want to build things that have ongoing lasting utility and usefulness and we're in general a society we're awful at this we build things even cars that go into a landfill in 10 years which is a disgrace that's a different a different episode but basically if they look at this as a designer and they say hey instead of throwing up the cheapest crappiest thing just to shove people in for a month let's what is this going to look like in 2 years 4 years 6 years 20 years from now and if you think about and design these things with a long term mindset it, it, I mean, London has done this super well. When they had the Olympics, they went out to Stratford, which at the time was like a pretty beat up place in East London. They built the Jubilee Line, so an entire new tube line that goes out there. And all the infrastructure they built, they designed it so that it could be reused and repurposed right away after the Olympics, which is what happened. And now Stratford is, you know, pretty, pretty hopping, you know, it's, it's Whereas, pretty solid. And I, there's one other infrastructure issue I want to bring up that this is an opportunity for, and this is a real thing. And then I want to segue nicely from that, Mike D. So, so remind me of that thought. The other thing that the state has to do is whatever this fucking clown show is, and we've made fun of it on the show so many times over the years, whatever this clown show is, where Route 46 moots Route 3, yes. you, have, you are on notice. You have 18 months to fix that fucking shit. Because you want to talk about hotels, that lead right to the metal. Every hotel from the Lincoln Tunnel to the end of Route 3 all the way out to fucking Parsippany is about to be booked solid for this if this state does it right. They're probably booked already. Dude, people are probably already booking those things up. And if you think, first of all, get some viable public transportation options right now. The fact that uh, 
Lakeland bus lines shut down a bunch of their Route 46 lines. Guess what? Let's state subsidize. Let's bring those Lakeland buses. Any public transportation that runs up and down 46 and Route 3 needs to happen right now. Can you get trolleys and light rails? Get them. But whatever the fuck is going on, you need to start talking to the Passaic County leaders who clearly this never-ending the never-ending carousel of construction contracts that is the Route 46 and Route 3 merger, you have 18 months to fix that shit. And we all know the one fact of that area is that the Great Notch Inn will stay standing and the rest of it has been a clown show for decades that you need to fix that right now. Or you will actually see an international traffic jam at that exact spot that will dwarf Anything we've seen during Giants and Jets games, during uh, Bruce concerts, T-Swift concerts, fix that shit. Now, Mike D, you were saying we need to think long-term about these improvements, that maybe some of our cities can have the influx of cash and infrastructure and housing and public transportation. Maybe some of the highway improvements on 46 and 3 can be permanent and be good for the residents of New Jersey for decades. Let's talk about it though, because you brought up the London Olympics, but famously, if you looked up what happened after the Brazilian Olympics, is that they spent billions of dollars rushing to build new stadiums that are now sort of overgrown and being reclaimed by nature. If there's any place that rivals New Jersey in corruption. It's our our pals down in Brazil. I would say we're on an equal Brazil is on it could go in that direction. Well I that's my concern is that you you already know that every single Goombots contractor, concrete guy, he's already figuring out how everyone's lying everyone is up with their hands out. I mean you know where do you think Joe D is in that line? Do you think he's the first person in line? And they're like, dude, you're the Essex County guy. This is Hudson County. He's like, don't care. Every county machine politician, every union head. And honestly, they should be. They should be. But good God, the amount of cash that's going to just disappear in these infrastructure improvements. That's going to be the difference between does this have 20 years of positive effect on New Jersey? Or is this just we get through the World Cup and then and then things land where they land? And you end up with, right, what we're going to end up with. Here, actually, I, I can imagine this slightly implausible scenario happening is all the politicians get together and they say, we've got this great idea. We're going to build these floating island accommodations <laughs> in, in, in oh, yeah. the Meadowlands. It's oh, beautiful. Yeah. People are going to love it. You can come. They'll float around. It'll be great. And then they're going to turn. They'll spend billions of dollars building these things, and then they'll turn into awful shanty towns six months after. One hundred percent. Well, dude, let's talk about FIFA. So Qatar, Qatar, Qatar. Is that the actual? I've, I've, I've added. I've Qatar tra- is the proper pronunciation. I have transferred planes there. When I went to Sri Lanka, we transferred there. Their airport, I have, was like Disneyland. It was. Nice. Yeah, I, I've worked for better or for worse with the with the government of Qatar on several occasions. <laughs> Now, they famously, when they had the World Cup, there's two things I want to bring up, which is one, we need to talk about the fact that there has been a massive like 25-year-long scandal of corruption where uh, the Russian World Cup and the Qatar World Cup were basically driven by bribery. 
And this is yeah. agreed upon. I mean, this has been exposed. I mean, this went in courts. This is a real confirmed thing that happened. This is not conspiracy theory. I think you can have whatever level of conspiracy you want surrounding it, but look it up. FIFA is a bribable organization. We need to talk about that. And in Qatar, famously, Mike D, like you're talking about a floating shantytown in the Meadowlands. Like it's did it in the desert. Oh, you 100% could imagine a shantytown directly under the Pulaski Skyway as a result of this World Cup. But let's just also put it out there. You're not dreaming up some like Hunger Games scenario. When Qatar had the World Cup, they had to scramble to build a bunch of infrastructure. They brought in workers from third world countries from all over the globe, famously, if I remember right, a lot- Newly developing countries is the proper- a, lo a lot of Filipino workers, a lot of, yes, newly developing, apologies for my outdated language, but Nepalese, Filipino, like a lot of people from different parts of the world who they brought in to build housing villages for athletes, to build hotels, to build stadiums, to build roads. And those people were not- paid what they said they were going to be and wound up living in actual shanty towns, kind of being brought out and abandoned as slave labor with their passports not necessarily even accessible to them until the work was done. Like there was like a human trafficking slavery situation surrounding that World Cup. And I don't think too many people would argue that that's an exaggeration. No, like, that's true. That's that's absolutely accurate. Um, documents, yeah. And my understanding is there's still people trying to find their way back to their homes and families because they went to work on infrastructure. Now, do I believe we're going to do that? No. Do I believe that we're going to do things totally the right way? No. And do I think that your your idea that like, yeah, this could either revitalize areas of Nork super well, or it could lead to us building highly flammable worker housing that then becomes a shantytown. That's not unimaginable. That's not a pie-in-the-sky fantasy. That's No, it's real. That could be the type of, of cost-cutting that New Jersey politicians and FIFA scumbags team up and go with. And we have to, as a state, make sure that that does not happen. Because we all see it coming. We all see some weird Blade Runner hellscape that exists as a result of this 18 months after the World Cup leaves. That's an interesting point, Chris. And, and it makes me wonder, and I don't know the answer to this, but I suspect what it is. All of this World Cup stuff that will happen in the next 18 months, who, at what point do people, and by people, I mean voting citizens of the state of New Jersey, New York. At what point do we have any input in this? Because it's not as if there's going to be referendums or elections, or we're going to get to vote on any of this. So I do wonder who, you know, ultimately who are the people that get to sign off? For, for example, suppose they want to go and put a they're they're gonna eminent domain like six blocks in Newark and build a giant like hotel rail complex. Like who gets to say whether or not that's okay? You know, I don't know. Like where do people get input? I'm not sure. I'm curious. If anyone knows, I'd love right. to know the answer. Right. And who? One of the sad facts about our state is who do we, who do we trust to lead that charge in a way that's ethical and that and that has the long term health of the state in mind. Because I don't know. I mean, the 
Andy Kim. Andy Kim should become World Cup czar. Wild to say, but when you think of ethical politicians in New Jersey, he is at the top of mind right now. He's at the top of the list. And it ties right into into everything we were saying before about the Senate and, and, and Governor Murphy and Tammy Murphy. And there's a lot of people just going, this is nepotism. And I've read some. I've read something. One of the many New Jersey. I, I would give credit where it was due if I remembered. But I, I follow so many New Jersey um, journalists, and someone, or it was um, an old political science professor of mine, Ross Baker. He's a Rutgers professor, of political science. He he put it best where he said, "If Tammy Murphy becomes our senator, am I going to lose sleep over it? No, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I think she'll do a good job. But is this the most ethical thing that's happening? No." And is this whole idea of them competing for county lines really exposing it? Yeah. We just saw, you know, just a couple of days ago, the Monmouth County Democrats had a, um, they decided, you know, the Essex County Democrats endorsed Tammy Murphy and we talk, we are fascinated by him on the show. That comes down to Joe D gave his blessing to Tammy Murphy. The Monmouth County Democrats said, we're going to have uh, anonymous vote amongst our members. And Andy Kim stomped it. He won two thirds of that vote. So if you make it consequence free and you make it that there's no chance of retribution because your vote is anonymous, even the Democratic insiders are starting to vote for Andy Kim. When you make it, hey, it has to be a public acknowledgement, that's the problem that people are seeing. And Tammy Murphy seems like a good perfect person. And I personally like Phil Murphy and have met him a number of times, but there is no way around the fact that if you are publicly voting on this, there might be some elements of do I want to piss off the governor with my vote? There's just no way that thought's not at the very least in your head. I want to believe that Phil Murphy is not that type of guy, but it's, it's, it is a fact. It is a fact. Andy Kim is someone we would trust. Um, I would trust uh, Bobby Goldbars just put something forth that he really thinks that Egypt should go directly to the World Cup final. This is the state. That they should skip the whole tournament and direct, go directly to the final game. Exactly what I'm saying is like FIFA is an organization that actually their last World Cup in Qatar, there were thousands, tens of thousands of slaves effectively used to build the status. And they're now operating in a state where our senator gets paid in gold jackets sewn in into gold bars sewn into jacket sleeves. Like this is the stories that could come out of this on the negative side are like, holy shit level, hilarious corruption stories. Well, take the last, I mean, they're, they're functionally different, but they're financially and politically very similar. The world cup and COVID. And by what I mean is all of a sudden a pretty unexpected, unusual event happens and zillions of dollars in aid and funding and loans all of a sudden appear, which is the same thing that's going to happen. And now moving a couple years on from COVID when they're starting to unravel all the paperwork, the amount of fraud and corruption in New Jersey oh. that happened during COVID. I mean, you had oh. people, people who worked at Burger King were buying Lamborghinis. I mean, and that's an actual, <laughs> like that's a real thing that happened. And nobody was kind of like, Hey, wait a minute. Something seems a little off here. Like, yeah. <laughs> I guess that impossible whopper really brought the cash flow in. I sit here, I go, do we trust Cory Booker to be the public face of this thing? Up and down. I, I've, I've said for years, I like Cory Booker. I got a lot like of love for Cory Booker. Booker always liked Cory Booker. It's been said on the show when we interviewed my friend Alexis Guerreros, who also a huge soccer fan, authority on soccer, and Nork Native. He said, Corey, what happened to all that Zuckerberg money? Like, where's the, where'd the Zuckerberg money go? Like, 
I don't know if we can trust Corey. I don't know if Nork's going to trust Corey. I, I, there's a part of me that goes, form a committee, put Ross Barak on it. And then I'm sitting here and I'm going, I'm talking about how to make things not corrupt and saying put a Nork mayor on the committee. Nork mayors historically. Now, Ross seems like I have a lot of fascination and respect for Ross Baraka, but Nork mayors not historically known for their above board legal behavior. Many of them go to jail after their things. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Ross. I get a great sense from him. Um, this is where we're at in New Jersey. Mikey Sherrill, I would put her up there, but I'm a home. T- I, everybody knows I have, I got a lot of love. She's my Congresswoman, but outside of her, Andy Kim, Andy Kim, for sure. Maybe Mikey, who else do you trust to be the person that goes, I'm going to, I'm going to draw the lines of where this money gets spent to make sure it has long-term effect. And realistically, could even any of those people fight off every union leader, county boss, small town mayor that is coming out right now trying to get their hand in the kitty? What is about to happen? Well, maybe it shouldn't be led by by politicians, which is generally politicians are not fascinating. Good, they're not good people to it's make true. planning decisions because- they're not designers. They're not social scientists. They don't, and they all are always thinking about the next election, which is never more than say like one to four years away, more or less for any politician. So their short-term thinking is always, what can I deliver before the next election that people will remember? Whereas if you look at something from the perspective of a designer or a social scientist, they're looking at what is the impact of this thing 20 years on, which I think is for something you don't, this, we, we won't ever have the opportunity to have this influx of money and attention again, at least likely not in our lifetime. Dude, you know, we'll be I'm gonna say, in the nursing home. I'm going to say something that's going to, I think for people who are following the politics in this state and for people who care about this state, I'm going to say something that I think is going to hit us all in the gut. But do you know who I would probably trust more than maybe anyone else to be put in charge of this exact thing is if she wasn't running for Senate, Tammy Murphy would have crushed this. Hmm. If Tammy Murphy went from being our first lady to saying like, let me, as someone who owns a soccer team in New Jersey, she's got actual authority on having dealt with how this world works. And if it was like, put me in charge of making sure this money has long lasting, positive, long-term effect for New Jersey, I would say if she hadn't run, I'd go make her the head of that commission tomorrow because nobody's going to fuck with her because they're not going to want to cross the governor. And she knows every boss and she knows how they all work and what they need. She would have been perfect if not for the Senate run. Now it's all tangled up in that. That's not a, that's a, that's not a bad choice at all. Somebody, somebody like that who, again, like pre-Senate run would be the perfect choice because they are in politics, but they're not running for election. I mean, she is now, so that kind of she makes also, her void, but I get what you're saying. She co-owns the Gotham FC, the New Jersey, New York Gotham FC, which is our women's soccer team based out of Harrison. It's like she- They play at, at Red Bull, right? Yeah, and that would not be a token position. That would be a like, hey, change this state for 20 years. And then next time there's a Senate seat open, you can point to all that infrastructure you helped build. But- the timing on that was off. She would have been perfect for it. Would have been perfect. In the meantime, I'm like, we literally don't have any, like the fact that Cory Booker is our more trustworthy senator, Nork doesn't totally trust him. Where'd the Facebook money go? Where'd the Zuckerberg money go? Gold bars? Not putting gold bars in charge. Andy Kim is our most ethical guy who we love, but most of what all of us know about him is that he helped clean up after January 6th and we'll love him forever for that. But that's most of what people know about him. And he also like 
Have you followed Andy Kim's online presence at all? No. He's he seems like a very wholesome guy. He just posted a picture of himself and his sons eating dumplings in celebration of the Lunar New Year. And you're like, this dude just seems normal, which is wild to say for a New Jersey politician. Tammy Murphy would have been amazing at this, but right now, conflict of interest for the Senate. Phil Murphy, can he be hands-on? Can he do it? Do we trust Phil totally with this? How do we make sure that this leads to 20 years of improvements? Like Mike D, I was just reading an article about I believe that they've extended the North Light Rail into Bloomfield, that they like reactivated some lines. And apparently those lines, the reason I read about it was because those lines run through Essex County all the way to West Orange, past the Edison factories. Really? And apparently they could run the, the North Light Rail all the way out to West Orange pretty easy. They could reactivate it all. And this article I was reading was like, imagine, like West Orange doesn't have a train station like Maplewood that gets you into Penn Station. But imagine if every time you wanted to go to a Devils game or a Seton Hall Pirates game, you could be taking a light rail to the rock instead of re, uh, driving. I'm like, now's the time. Activate them all. Use the World Cup as a, an excuse to say, what infrastructure do we have that's at 50%, 70%, 80%? Bring it all back to life. Do it. Fix Route 46 and 3 for real. At some point, we all need to admit somebody has been making money hand over fist, handing out construction contracts for that stretch of road. And it's been going on for decades. Decades. Pay that person off. Tell them, here's your final payment. Get out of here. We're taking this over and we're bringing in actual structural engineers to fix this. Do it. Now's the time. Think about any neighborhood that has the potential for revitalization through hotels, through increased, like you said, townhouse style stuff. Think about any towns that have neighborhoods where they go, we're down to build some townhouse. We, we have abandoned warehouses. Let's turn them into townhouses. Let's get a bus line running. Let's get it going. And, and let's make sure that it's feasible to become low-income housing for middle-class and, and, and working-class families moving forward after the World Cup. Now's the time. Who's going to do it? Because I fear instead what we're going to have is people dressed like fucking demolition from the WWF is fighting, fighting over squirrel meat under the Pulaski Skyway. That's or what we're going to have. Even the slightly dressed up version of that is you get something like American Dream again, a, right? A, a dysfunctional mall that catches on fire, has like airplane decorations fall from the ceiling and is to, is a pretty miserable place. It's not a great Although, place. Although Hallie just went there and went. her friend had a birthday party where they did the indoor surfing thing there. And Hallie did say it was pretty rad. She was like, we got to go back. I'm like, okay, maybe they're bouncing back. But you're right. How many years, right next to that fucking stadium, right. it became a joke how many years that place was sitting there. And we were all like, what the fuck is it? And when is it going to open? This could just be part two of that bullshit. Or it could be, dude, it could be they build a bunch of temporary bullshit and then it just floats away in the fucking swamps when they're done and it has no long lasting impact in the state. And then we all find out in eight years that whatever cheap fucking plastic bullshit they did, it's now another super fun site. It could easily be that. I have the answer. I have the answer. We get our good friend and friend of the show, Nick Fierro, and he only appears in costume as the Jersey Devil. And at any hearing or public forum where the World Cup is being discussed, 
the Jersey Devil appears and gives the opinion of the average citizen of New Jersey. Oh. And that is how the citizens of New Jersey have their voice heard in this process by the Jersey Devil. Okay, that is the answer. The Jersey Devil himself needs to speak for the people because we have a chance. We have a chance here. Anyway, it's an exciting thing. It's a cool thing. It's also a thing that we all need to start keeping our eye on collectively as a state right now because the hilarious level of corruption. I mean, we're talking about Russia buying a World Cup. We're talking about Qatar buying a World Cup. And then famously, look it up. Just Google World Cup slave labor and you'll start to read up and go, holy shit. But again, people from dozens, if not hundreds of nations, let alone, I mean, every pocket of the tri-state area defined, I mean, between New Jersey and Brooklyn and Queens alone, just so many people are going to be visiting Jersey to represent their countries, to come be a part of it. And we have a chance to show off this state. We have a chance to fix up this state. But man, deals are already being cut, right, Mike D? Like, deal, there are already shady backroom meetings happening oh. since the second that was announced, right? I'm, sh I'm sure that the biggest deals have already been cut for a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. Um, I would imagine things like transportation contracts are probably already like in the final stages. Another thing that's a huge part of World Cups is basically people from all the different countries, right? They're part of these these supporter clubs, right? So like you're in Germany, you're part of like a Germany supporter club and they do these giant package deals to go to the World Cup and they negotiate these block rates. I'm sure all that stuff, like who, like who in New York, New Jersey gets to negotiate with those clubs, like all those deals are being like, we're, we're probably worked out in the contract stage of this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm saying right now, let's start building more hotels, but guess what? A lot of hotels are union workers. Some aren't. Make sure they're, like this is a chance to be pro-union in a real way. To all our New Jersey politicians, build more hotels with union jobs because guess what? Those union jobs will stick around after the World Cup. Like that right there. Let's do that. What's, like make sure all of them are union contracts. Of course. Make sure all of the construction workers, union contracts, right away, pro-union state. But please, let's do it above board in a way that gets this state just even further solidified. We need the long-term benefit and we need to show off, man. We need to show off. I want Jimmy Buffs and Cosmos. I served at the World Cup. I want show off what's great about us. And Mike D, I loved this conversation. We got to keep our eyes on it. I'm sure we're going to uh, talk about this a ton uh, more. Like My only question is, are the articles about the corruption going to come out as whistleblowing before the World Cup, or will we only get to read about it afterwards? But I bet we'll get to read about it after because unfortunately we don't support journalism as a culture anymore so nancy we're not Solomon's the only the one maybe yep. nancy solomon maybe nancy solomon will start going hey here's what's really up what's really up but yeah i would love that i'm with you all right everybody we want your opinions over at patreon.com slash new jersey is the world leave a voicemail let us know how you think the world cup's gonna go uh, mike d this was a great conversation thanks for having it with me it was fun i can't wait to talk about it more it's good stuff dude